This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Episode 7, Feeding the Fire. The next day, at the beginning of class, Jack's seat was empty. I hadn't seen him all morning. Jackson Taylor, our teacher, Mrs. Bowie, repeated for the fourth time, glancing around the room. Mrs. Bowie looked back down at her roster and made a note. Mr. Taylor's not here, came a voice in the doorway. Everyone looked up. 
Standing there, tall and proud, in my bright yellow dress, was Jack. The class burst into laughter. Shut it, y'all! I promised if I saw a fairy, I'd show up in a dress. So here I am. The class laughed harder. Even Mrs. Bowie'd hid her laughing face behind her clipboard. Holding his head high, Jack grabbed the sides of the dress and marched over to his seat and plopped down. How'd you get a hold of my dress? I laughed. I could see his overalls under the drooping neckline. Lou got it for me, Jack said, fixing the lace around the arms. She snuck it out this morning. Looking mighty purdy, I teased. You bet I do. Wait a sec, I squinted at him. Is that lipstick? Jack slowly swiveled his head towards me, and I could see a sloppy smeared red line across his mouth, as if he'd tried putting on lipstick while driving over a bumpy road. Yep, he said, smacking his lips. Cherry red. I giggled. I never said you had to wear... I stopped myself as Jack shot me a look. Lou, I nodded. Jack folded his arms. She insisted on the whole shebang. I tried to stop her, but she got half my face before I could pull away. How does it look? He held up his chin and puckered his lips. It looks like you bit into a watermelon, I laughed. I like watermelon, Jack said. He leaned back in his chair with a big smile on his face. As Mrs. Bowie'd got the class back under control, I looked at that smile and knew exactly what it meant. It meant that Jack didn't give two hoots what anybody else thought. He only cared what I thought. And I thought what he did was incredibly brave. After class, I told him he could take the dress off and go finish wiping off the lipstick. There was no need to drag it on. He kept his promise. I still couldn't believe he'd actually done it. He was a man of his word. For the rest of the day, when I wasn't reliving Jack's grand entrance and laughing to myself, I was playing with Theo's glove in my pocket. I couldn't figure out how a strange old glove would do me any good. But I had no reason not to trust Theo. He seemed like a good guy. I mean, he didn't have to be wasting his time with us kids, right? When I ran through our plan to save the Orchid Queen in my head, I realized we didn't really have a plan. We just had some vague instructions on how to find the Lunas, and that was it. Really, all I could think about was me grabbing the Fairy Queen from the crazies and making a run for it. But surely there was more to it. What if I'm chased? What if I don't find her, or she's dead? Or I run into booby traps in the forest? Hundreds of questions flew through my head as I thought about what I had to do. On our way home from school, Jack wouldn't look at me as we walked. Okay, what the heck? I finally said, stopping him. Can't you look at me for two seconds? We have a lot to do before tonight, and we're going to have to talk about it. Jack played with the straps of his dirty overalls and stared straight ahead. I'm watching out for cars, he mumbled. Jack! I turned him towards me and gasped. His left eye was black and blue. What happened? Nothing. I just just fell off the big slide. Who are you kidding? You never go on the big slide. You never go on the small slide. Well, I did today, Winnie, so let it go. 
Jack's voice cracked. Jackie, what happened? Please tell me. Jack hesitated. I could tell he was trying to hide the tears welling up in his eyes, but his glasses magnified them so much it was impossible to miss them. I got punched, he said quietly. I can see that. By who? Jack hesitated again. It was Luke, okay? What? I froze. Not beautiful Luke. Please, anybody but him. Why? I asked nervously. He said I cheated on the rope race. He clocked you for that? I couldn't believe it. Well, I'm sure it didn't help that I came prancing into class wearing a dress. Oh, Jack, I'm so sorry. You didn't have to. He also told me to stay away from you, that you were his girl. My stomach tied in knots. Luke said I was his girl? He practically ignored me since that night at the fair. Now he's trying to claim me like I'm his girlfriend? That doesn't make sense, I said. That's what I told him, and that you would never be his girl. And then he punched me. It was a real cheap shot, too. I was turning to leave, and he snuck in a left hook when I wasn't even looking. We got to Jack's house. That's it. We're telling your parents. Come on. I grabbed his hand and headed down his driveway with him. No! He pulled away. No, I can handle it. Just please don't tell anybody. Please, Winnie. Jack stood between me and his beautiful house. I looked at it, and the contrast of its perfect white gables against the ragged, beat-up boy slumped in front of it. For a minute, I considered blowing by him and telling his parents myself, but I resisted. Fine, I said, shaking my head, but something better be done about it. I'm serious, Jack. If you don't tell them, or our teacher, or someone, I will. I'm going to ask you when we meet tonight how it went. Okay, Jack said. Are we going to meet early to go over the plans? Granny Annie's out at the market all afternoon, isn't she? She is, but I promised Oliver I'd meet up with him. We can catch you up later, though. As the words left my mouth, I had a feeling they wouldn't be well received. I guessed right. You're meeting Oliver? What for? Haven't you guys spent enough time together? He just wants to explain a few things and make sure he's not even coming with us. Look, I promised him I'd go. It's no big deal. I'll see you at 8.30, okay? Jack rolled his eyes. Whatever. He turned and headed for the house. I held up my fist. Pixie knots, I said, trying to motivate him. Jack lazily tossed his hand up and made a mumbling noise on his way to the house. What did he care if I met with Oliver or not? Wouldn't you want to ask a fairy questions if you had the chance? Especially if you were tasked with saving his queen? I snapped to and realized I was probably late for our meeting. I took one last look at Jack's sad shuffle up his driveway and then booked it for the ugly oak. When I got there, Oliver was waiting for me. Oliver was busy scratching his back against the bark of the ugly oak when he saw me. I was beginning to think you wouldn't show, he said. He flew up onto a little branch next to me. Are you kidding? This is one of the few things I've actually been looking forward to. I took a seat by the creek and Oliver followed. He was a surprisingly handsome little guy now that I thought about it. 
His short, red, wavy hair lay nicely behind his ears, and his dimpled smile made his bright blue eyes twinkle. He noticed I was staring. You all right? He asked. I shook my head. Of course. What were we saying? I believe you were going to ask me some questions. I was! I was! It took me a second to remember one of the hundreds of questions I thought of earlier. Clans. You said something last night about there being different clans of fairies? Oliver smiled. Remember what I told you about us being the world's caretakers? I nodded. Each group of fairies is called a clan and serves a specific purpose. All of us take on the name of the flower we were born in. I belong to the Orchid Clan because I was born in an orchid not far from this creek. The orchids are responsible for the soil of the earth. We make sure it's rich and ready for harvest. There are also the tulips. They're a chatty bunch that are in charge of the trees. As you can imagine, they've been especially busy since humans started chopping so many of them down. The dandelions, rowdy, cocky fairies from the south, watch over the animal populations. There are also the daffodils, daisies, and of course, the rose clan. But no one's seen them in centuries. Many believe they are ancestors since records of their work date back thousands of years before any of us came around. It is said that they were the cultivators of love, the final necessity to making this world turn. That's beautiful, I said. Where are all these clans? The tulips were the last I've seen, and that was dozens of years ago. We had a strong alliance with them and the dandelions before we lost our queen and were forced into hiding. Both used to have colonies around Smoke Canyon Lake nearby. Why is it so important you have your queen? I asked. Can't you just come out and start over? Oliver tossed a tiny grain of sand into the water, making it skip like a pebble several times on the surface. It's not that simple. You see, the queen possesses enough pixie to keep the clans alive. Remember when I told you that if we didn't glow, we'd burst? Well, the queen, you see, doesn't have a limit to how much magic she can hold. As the flower's pollen is refined into pixie dust, it is collected and distributed by the clan's queen. She's the only one who can harness that much energy. Without her, we slowly die off until we become extinct. I tried to wrap my head around it all. So you kind of pollinate like bees? And then do what with the dust? Oliver chuckled. Bees? Nah, they're a bunch of posers. They've been trying to copy us since the beginning. All they can do is pollinate. We refine. There's a big difference. Breaking pollen down into magic pixie is a much more sophisticated process. And once it is gathered and the queen distributes it, we eat it. In small quantities, of course. That's what gives us our power. It's our life source. At least for our clan, anyway. Some clans distribute pixie magic differently. But couldn't you just live off of food? You looked like you enjoyed Lou's salad. Oh, but I did. Oh, those hazelberries were nothing short of life-changing. But eating food is merely a pleasure for us, not a matter of survival. It's the pixie that keeps us alive. Pixie to fairies is like water to humans. It both gives us form and nourishes us. Since we lost our queen and have gone into hiding, our pollen refining has come to a halt. We've been rationing it for years. Are the Lunas not dependent on it? Are they not also a clan? Oh no, they rely only on the light and energy from the moon. They date back to the time of the Rose Clan. Nobody knows their true origin, 
But I can tell you, as long as there have been wars in the world, you can bet there was a Luna behind it. They live to destroy and spread darkness. Ah, which reminds me... He fluttered onto my arm and looked at me with concerned eyes. I could feel the warmth from his glow on my shoulder, and the gentle breeze from his fluttering wings made my hair move. I don't know for certain, but I have a strong feeling the Lunas have followed you back to your home. My eyes grew wide. What? But how? They have their ways. No doubt they've seen us together and have already heard of our plans. I felt their presence around your home, Winnie. This is serious. We have less time than we thought. What had I done? It was bad enough I was putting myself in so much danger, but getting Lou and Graham involved was too much. They didn't deserve this. Even if Lou was annoying and Graham a touchy grouch, they were my family. I let out a deep breath. If I bring you your queen, will they leave us alone? I wish it were that simple. Oliver ran his hand through his hair. I couldn't say. I stared at the creek in horror, realizing that me and my family could be stalked by evil fairies for the rest of our lives. That's if they didn't kill us soon after I completed the mission. If I completed the mission. Oliver fluttered off my arm and floated up to my face. His little warm hand stroked my cheek. Winnie, I swear to you that as long as we exist, as long as I'm alive, you and your family will be protected. After all, what would I do without Lou's salad? She's ruined me! We laughed. I wasn't trying to frighten you, he said. I just want you to be careful is all. I will, I replied. A couple hours later, I walked through the front door and to my surprise saw Graham sitting in a rocking chair, looking madder than ever. I, I thought you were... I struggled to come up with the words. At the market? She said without looking up from her book. Yeah. They closed early today. And you, you were with Jackson Taylor again, weren't you? Her face was nearly trembling as she held back an explosion of anger. I knew that no matter what I was about to say, I would trigger it. Graham, I, I promise I wasn't... I was just down by the creek by myself. Aha! She threw down her book. You not only spent time with him, but you went exactly where I told you not to go. No, I just said I was alone. I, I'm, I'm sorry I went back to the creek. I forgot. Graham's expression went from disappointment to disgust. A look I'd never seen before. Get upstairs. There'll be no dinner for you. I clenched my fists. I'd rather starve than eat with you anyway. The words sounded so harsh coming out of my mouth that I surprised even myself. I marched up to my room, past Lou, who sat quietly at the kitchen table. That night, I could hear Graham walking by my door every five minutes like a prison guard on patrol. After finally checking to see if I was asleep, she headed up to the attic to talk her own ear off. Phew, good thing there's nothing easier than faking sleep. It literally takes no effort at all. As soon as the attic door closed, I snuck out of bed, grabbed a flashlight and Theo's glove, and started for the stairs. Just as I started down the steps, I heard Graham's voice. I've tried everything! came her harsh whisper from the attic. 
I turned around and crept closer so I could hear better. All I need is just a little more time, and then it will all be behind us. Once that girl sets her mind on something, she never lets go. She got that from you, too, I guess. I don't care. I'll lock her up forever if I have to. I held my mouth to keep from gasping. She'd lost it. It was no longer as simple as her being a lonely grouch. Graham was completely off her rocker. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. If she caught me now, she'd probably not only lock me up, but Lou too. I couldn't be responsible for that. I started to head back to my room, but when I reached the door, I remembered everything Oliver had told me about the importance of fairies and why we needed them for our own survival. Our world depended on it. Oh, I had to do this. Not for me, not for Lou or Jack, for everyone. I glared back at the attic door and squeezed my flashlight. We'll see how she locks me up when I have a queen in my hand, I thought. Yeah.